All right, welcome back to The Long Hard Road. Joining me today, I have one of the great Craig Burton, <laughs> nutritionist, <laughs> and all-around great guy. <clears throat> now, before we begin, Craig, I've got a very important question for you, whether or not we're, this is going to be an enjoyable 45 minutes. What is your favorite Led Zeppelin song? Now, before we dive into that, here's the thing. My best friend and I, Jay, have an affinity for classic rock. And we were in Hong Kong a couple of years ago. I was staying at his place for the weekend, and I woke up one morning, and I said, Jay, listen, if we're going to solidify our BFF status for the rest of our lives. I need to know one thing. And it's a question that's going to answer a deeper question for me. So instead of asking him right away and being direct, what do you stand for? My question to him was, Jay, what is your favorite Led Zeppelin song? And his answer was Ramble On. Now, for those of you unfamiliar with Led Zeppelin, that's okay. I don't want to lose you right off the bat. But anyways, to make a long story short, we had about a 15-minute discussion on about Led Zeppelin and how we can save ourselves a lot of time in life by just cutting through all the bullshit and we've developed a sliding scale that rates people's wankerness on their affinity for Led Zeppelin. So if you pick a song, for example, I won't give it to you right away, Craig's busting a seam right now. If you pick a certain song, that would be a zero and automatically you're a wanker. Now, Craig, without any further ado, what is your favorite Led Zeppelin song? Now, that is the best start I've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> what a loaded question. Where's my gun? <laughs> I'm going to shoot myself and take this. <laughs> Do you know, actually, throw one at you, Darren. I, I, I'm a big fan of superheroes. You might have seen me with an Avengers show or yeah, something yeah. like that. And the, the recent Thor movie, and it, I just can't even remember the Led Zeppelin song from when he starts destroying everyone with his lightning. So in terms of that, Led Zeppelin. The song that comes to my head, yes. obviously, and in terms of you ask me, what do I, and I'm like, crack my head out. <laughs> what? So I'm trying to remember this. Hask me biochemistry. Exactly. Um, <laughs> let's but let's uh, talk about how we hack our testosterone yeah, levels instead. Yeah, yeah. I think, I, think, I think we'll get that mic out <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Well, thanks for that. <laughs> I got to keep you guessing. I got to keep you excited. Completely. Let's get curious about Completely. what the hell scares the you-know-what out of us. Anyways, the reason I ask this is because, you know, when I first came into recovery, I was taught a very, very important lesson. And there's kind of kind of the paradox to this. I walked into the rooms and these old timers in the rooms told me, number one, Darren, you got to stop judging people. Number two, stick with the winners. And I am sticking with Craig. In my book, Craig is a winner. And it gets down to this question. It's, listen, if I want to be my best, I've got to surround myself with the best. And quite honestly, mate, I think you're one of the best, <laughs> not just professionally, but you're a heck of a great guy as well. Love coming back at you. Okay. Buddy. So why don't you tell our listeners just a little bit about uh, your educational background and about who Craig is as a person as well. All right. Um, originally trained as a sports scientist. I studied actually sports science psychology mm. way back, some 20 years or so. Um, and the thing about it, I mean, in terms of classic, I gravitated more to nutrition actually for personal reasons. My gut started having problems. So mm. I was, it was more, I was the problem. Yes. I was misbehaving a bit too much. Guys who liked their training and martial arts was kind of my thing and going out and I was working a couple of jobs and my gut started causing a lot of issues. And it was when I was in London and I really um, was very fortunate because I came in contact with some amazing medical doctors and naturopaths. Mm. And one of the things that came out was I have a problem with foods, certain foods. 
and which was a revelation. That's kind of funny. You know, a, a lot of times I used to tell people I had a problem with cocaine and I thought about it for a minute and it's just like, shit, man, I never had a problem with cocaine. I liked it too damn much. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, with these, I mean, certain foods would start would start coming back and 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 causing problems. I won't get all graphic, but I mean, there's, I'm sure there's some people out there who have gut issues that they just don't feel like things are working. So anyway, long story short, I saw some people and they said, "You have a problem with gluten. You have a problem with dairy. And you have a problem with these other things." And it kind of led me down the rabbit hole. And what rabbit hole? And what was before? the training and the calories and that traditional model that you and I know so well, eat less, move more to try to get a change in a client became, wow, this is like a different world. Like I said, I just, I went into this new world and started exploring person's labs. So the last 15 years I've been looking at, I call myself more a clinical nutritionist because I'm interested, okay, what is your biochemistry? Mm. What makes you different? And then from there, I've always been interested in the mind. That's why I studied that aspect of psychology. That's always a big part. And movement obviously is critical in the lifestyle. So I always talk with clients about what I call the four foundations of health, mindset, lifestyle, nutrition, movement. But I definitely say nutrition is as a clinical nutritionist, that's my specialty. That's where I really go first and kind of look into it and like to play the diagnose, like going in deeper and, and finding out what's going on with that person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. That's really interesting that you said that because that sounds very similar to my background, my education background, exact same thing. Sports science, you know, University of Winnipeg, lectured in the sports science department in the kinesiology lab for a number of years. And my approach is just a little bit different is I look at number one is, is the mind. It always starts with the mind. Number two, then comes the movement. And this is, I think this is a great thing about having two guys in their forties, being able to have a mature conversation is that one of us isn't sitting here pointing the finger and saying, no, I'm right. I'm right. I'm right. And it's just like, that is so cool. But this, this is, this is going to be great. I'm so excited about January 12th, the event that we're hosting at, at, uh, outrigger. So raw movement is the key to vitality. Raw movement along with the big package. And that's what I love what you've done is you've put together people from a different background and not all of us are going to agree with each Mm -hmm. other and everything. And that's, if we even look back and we look at our last 10 years and say, where were we then? And where were we five years? And even where were we two years? And I think the beautiful thing I'll throw back at you, love hanging out with people like you, is this evolution. Mm -hmm. We're constantly reassessing. We're constantly asking ourselves, could I actually take it another step further? Is there something in my relationship with changing a person, help trans- transform a person? Can I, can I take it another step further? How can I reach people and how can I connect people? How can I help this transformation for a person even more? And that makes us, ourselves, challenge ourselves. We've got to do the work ourselves. We've got to invest that part into ourselves. And when you're around people like that, it's just awesome. Well, you, you don't have any any other option. It's either you're you're evolving and growing, or you're constricting and dying. Thank you. Thank oh, you. Dying. <laughs> or dying. Absolutely. So we had we had a great uh, we had a great conversation about about a week ago. It was a very sobering conversation, and the two of us are on the same page. The two of us are a lot of a lot about taking personal responsibility and ownership, and so. My, my question to you is, is, as we get going, is, is, Craig, how do you hold yourself accountable? For me, the big part is starting with values and being clear with my values 
and living to, uh, in alignment with my values as much as possible. So if I'm sitting down with a client and I'm trying to explain this concept of what is a value and essentially like you and I were talking and I said, for me, what do I stand for? Oh, goosebumps, brother, goosebumps. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we both, we both realize that this is one of the biggest gaps in our industry today, that we all go straight after the goals, which is important. So goal setting and saying this is what we want to achieve, but within what framework? Within, say a person says, I want to lose weight. Well, we can do it a lot of different ways. But if I have a person losing weight from a self-respect, self-care, that sort of place, it's very different to the person who could be going out eating, I don't know, nothing just about and, and training themselves silly and then rebounding. So for me, in terms of values, what do I stand for? Well, I ask myself, what's the most important things in my life? I stand for being a role model for, for my who? kids. So mm -hmm. I've got two young kids. I, I don't want to be that dad who comes home and says, do this and do that, and I'm not doing it. So I, I want them to see how I live my life. I want to be really honest and, and open and say, hey, here's the mistakes I make. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm learning and I'm trying to improve that. So I want to be um, in terms of values as a, as a role model. So that's what I stand for. Uh, and that'd be the biggest, one of the biggest driving forces. Um, and in terms of myself, as a, it's, it's growing. It's, it's evolving. It's being open, um, allowing myself to know that I'm wrong sometimes, to not be perfect. And to, so I value that uh, if I was to summarize that word, it, it is as kooky as it sounds, self-development, self-growth. Evolution. I don't think there's anything kooky about it. I mean, it's self-actualization, <laughs> and it's and it's and it's so important. And and those values that you hit on are are impeccable. And it is it's essential that I think before we start even diving into setting goals, not only for ourselves but also for the people that we work with, is it's we have to ans answer that fundamental question: what What do you stand for? Yeah. So is it is it honesty? Is it integrity? Is it being impeccable with your word? And these are the things that, that have to build that rock solid foundation. Absolutely. I mean, if you don't, like you say, that word foundation, so many times you and I have seen the person says, and we're, we're in the new years right now. Yeah. And we're, it's a special time. I think, it's, <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's a real, I think there's a lot of possibility. And it's like, if we can take it, great. But we get into this habit where there are people and who, I mean, I probably have done it myself in the past and I've got clients who throw out that New Year's resolution. But if that isn't stuck in a foundation, if it is just I want to lose five kilos or I just want in terms of this goal setting and you don't have something rock solid underneath that that actually drives the bus, this compass in that direction, there's a good possibility. You're, the minute that somebody punches you across the face in, in some metaphorical term, meaning some, the world gets a bit tough, life gets a bit tough, you get demands, then it's easy to fall off that and lose sight of that. So for me, the stronger my value system, the stronger, the, the more clarity I have, the easier the accountability. So I always talk about with a client, get your awareness, what are we after, but obviously accountability and then in terms of let's drive those actions. But I need that clarity. I need to be very clear every single day. So on the way here, I'm listening to in terms of CDs and I'm constantly exposing myself to how can I perform better for whether it's a mental perspective, but every time I'm getting a chance and I love the fact that we now have these things, podcasts. So I'm constantly living to podcast, mm -hmm. listening to podcasts because even for that five minutes in my car driving from one place to another, it switches my mind into, hey, Craig, growing or dying? Hey, Craig, 
are you improving yourself? Hey, Craig, are you being a role model? And I'm, every time I have that re reminder, it is like I'm training out, I don't know, in the gym or in my, with a kettlebell or something. I am training that muscle and that mental state, getting myself into state. Well, that's, that's really interesting that you said that. And let's go back to our sports psych training too. It's, it's where are we coming from? Are we coming from a fixed mindset or a growth mindset? Perfect. And that's, that's really important. And I, I, really, I really think it's important that number one, that be, we be willing to make changes. And this is something you said to me last week, and, and, and I loved it. I, I really loved it. And that was this, is it's you have to be able to listen to the signals that your body is giving you, and you have to become your own guinea pig. Do you want to pick up on that? Yeah, completely. The, one of the biggest problems we have in this industry is there's a lot of noise there's a lot of like, I mean, you go into a library today. You're being a little too nice, Craig, okay? There's a lot of bullshit. <laughs> bullshit. There's, there's a lot of bullshit out there. there you go. I'm guilty yeah. of that a few times. Yeah. It's a political. Yeah, make, yeah make, no, make. there is. There's a lot of bullshit. That is the, that's, yeah. let's call it what it is. It is bullshit, and yeah, man. There's people just obviously in terms of, I mean, I want to give, I also want to say there's a lot of people out there in our industry compared to a lot of other industries out there that really want to help people. So you go into this industry and most people I know are trying to make a difference. There's obviously people out there who are just trying to make a quick buck and things like that, but there's a lot of diet books. And so in my little area, there's a lot of information that in terms of for each person can be so bloody confusing. They're coming and they're going, that's one of the biggest things that they come to me because they say, Craig, I heard you talk. I felt there was some science in terms of you actually were able to um, give me a good explanation why you would recommend this. And then you looked at the labs and you gave me another explanation so you could tailor my plan, my nutrition plan in this way. And it, that felt good versus just following the next hip thing, and which is um, obviously a lot what is out there. So for, for my mind, obviously, to go through and say to ourselves, all right, how do we operate as a person? And to, own, to know that, we've got to be our own guinea pig. We've got to actually go out and test. So it's nice to have somebody. So even my clients, I've looked at their labs and I said, okay, we've got a blood sugar issue. We've got an inflammatory issue. We've got something going on. But you've still got to be in the, you've got to be in the game. You've got to be on the court. You've, you've got to actually eat the food and ask your body, how are you feeling? Now at the start, for a person who's never done that, food has just been, I'm hungry, I eat, I'm full. If that's been the case, it's going to take a little bit of time to go, what is a signal? Oh, how does my energy feel? How does my gut feel? How's my digestion? How's my poop? How's my how's all those parts to this like feedback puzzle? But you've got to be involved. You've got to actually, and that's why I'm a big fan of a person doing as much mindfulness, writing in a journal, taking their time as a, to just process what is going on, whether it is nutrition or anything else like that. But you've got to be the guinea pig. That's, that's for me the key. You've got, because when you're the guinea pig, you're involved. You're taking responsibility. I'm not just following someone. Oh, it didn't work. It's that person's fault. It's like, it didn't work. I have to change it because I want to change. So that didn't work. All right. That advice, I'm going for another thing. And if I have a person who, again, if I go back to values, if they have strong values and something doesn't work, what are they going to do? 
they're going to change it. They're going to try something new. Okay, we go back to the experiment. What do they say? Edison, how many light bulbs didn't work? Okay, I got another shot at this. I'm going to keep doing it like the child. You don't say to a child, I was listening to something the other day, and they say, the child's falling, like he's crawling and he's trying to get up, trying to get boom, falling down, falling down. You don't say, oh, I'll just leave it there. Don't worry about it. Walking's not that important. You're like, you're just going to have to keep trying. Go on, keep going. It might take like another 100 days or something, but you'll get there in the end. And that's what all of us need to realize that especially even a thing, whether it's a diet or I want to lose weight, that we've got to keep, obviously, we've just got to keep pressing on and we've got to keep in the game and we've got to keep being a guinea pig. We've got to keep being a guinea pig. And, and this is where that, that, that whole notion of personal responsibility, ownership, but also putting your ass in the arena. I mean, I think these, I think, you know, we've, we've hit on these things of values, integrity, trust. Yeah. And these are all noble, pardon, you know, pardon, I'm going to dive off a little bit here. These are all noble intentions, but intentions don't mean shit until we take that rigorous action. And the action of actually committing ourselves to, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to get it perfect this time, but I have that ability to trust in myself to make the adjustment and try again. Will I get it right again? Shit, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And, that, and, that's, and that's all about, you know, being our, being our own guinea pigs. Absolutely. Welcome to I mean, that's, that's life, <laughs> isn't it? If every, if every time everything worked for us, wow. I mean, I, I, my daughter comes home sometimes and she's like, oh, Dad, I don't get this. And I'm like, you're at school. You're not meant to get everything. And even when you get out of school, you're not meant to get everything either. You've got to keep going. I'm going to let you in on a little secret at 46. Shit, man, I still don't get it I sometimes. Don't, and, you, and that's yep. what I'm telling her. Because yeah. she looks, I mean, it's this classic thing. And, and I'm sure I'll relate it from my daughter to a client. They think, oh, you've got your shit together. You've got your diet and all this. And it's like, no, it's a work in progress. And I say to my daughter, no, like she said, even last night, she said, oh, you, it seems like everything goes like you don't have problems with this and this. And I'm like, oh, I just don't sit down. And do yeah. Maybe I'll ask, ask your mum. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it is that it is we sometimes, and I've, I've seen clients think, oh, it's just, it's easier for that person. And it's, we've all got our battles. And we've this all- is this is really cool. This is this is this is really interesting. You've been in this industry for a long time. I've been in this industry for, for a very long time. And it's almost like we don't want to put that t-shirt on that says, I don't have my shit together. And that yeah. I think I think one of the things that that we run into is listen, we've got to be able to be seen at our absolute best and at our absolute worst. And it gets back to what you said. It's what do you stand for? Yeah. What do you stand, what for? Do you stand for? What do you stand for? So this this is going to be fantastic. Let's. I want to personalize it a little bit more. There's also another reason I brought you in. It. <laughs> hey, I want to, I want to get some more information. I love chatting to you. So here we go. We've got this event coming up January 12th. Outrigger raw movement is a key to vitality, and we're going to be getting a big cross section of different people coming. We're going to be getting you know your your endurance athletes and your people who who have different goals. And I think it's important that number one that we have goals. We need to know where, where we're going. I, I think that, I like I said, I would, don't discount that for a second. For but me, values, goals, obviously. Values, goals, but you take a very different perspective as mm. well. And we're going to touch on that in, in a couple minutes. So we, we're going to have a different cross-section of, of people joining us with different goals, mm. different needs, different desires of, of why they're, why they're going to come and join us. Sure. I'm a cyclist, okay? I'm doing a lot of cycling right now. And I've got a big event coming up in two weeks. I'm going to probably be on my bike for about 18 hours. I got 8,846 meters of climbing. And we're just going to measure the vertical up. My 
feet are already getting on fire thinking about it and the saddle sores are i mean i'm I'm ready to put the vaseline on right now (laughs) okay here it is here's your here i'll be your typical client coming to you that's not typical. <laughs> no, that's <laughs> what you're doing. It's okay. not typical. Oh, really? It's <laughs> just, not? Just to let you know. Baby, I got to tell you this. So <laughs> if you want normal, go hang out with your washing machine, okay? Normal's not a setting to live your life. <laughs> I'm going to the beach. Sir. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm your typical client coming to you. Craig, what should I be eating? How should I fuel myself? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> How much time we got? Um, we've got about... Uh, as long as you need. All right, all right. I mean, let's let's run it through. Well, it's 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 a personal thing, so we're gonna we'll get to you. But obviously, someone's listening and they're thinking, yeah, how's this relate to me? Exactly. So, so what I want to do is I want to I want I want to capture the attention right now of the bikeaholics out there. Right. Let's talk about nutrition for cycling for those bikeaholics right. out there. And we and then we've and then we're categorizing because we've got to then bring it down and we're saying we're talking cycling and you're doing something pretty extreme. And we would we would call it high endurance. So we're okay. not we're not talking about sprinting. We're not talking about a short like here's a sprint. I'm out. How quick can I go? And this and this is where it's really important to know you know what exactly are your goals because we're going to be using different energy systems. So that's where we're going. I mean, the first if I'm breaking it down. So if people if I could like slice my head open and well, I wouldn't want to um, show what exactly is going <laughs> on all these different <laughs> things clicking around and all the rest but um, my process first of all is asking uh, where do we where is a person's current state of health? And that's why I do like looking at things like lab if there's any issues and knowing you relative the inflammation is down and you and you're metabolically the the system's running really well things like that but that's the first thing if anyone is out there and they're thinking hey it's the new year i'm going to suddenly get on a bike and i'm going to go for uh, or i'm going to run a marathon now it's like oh let's just cl- let's see everything we've got a, a level a baseline level of health before we start pushing things along so, Building a strong foundation. Strong foundation, absolutely. So health first. Before you start, you know, should I be on a ketogenic diet? Should I be on this diet? It's like, <laughs> can we first? And they're all valid. Like a ketogenic diet and endurance has a lot of validity. I mean, you and I, 20, 20 years ago, I remember, we were talking about carb cycling. We were, oh, sorry, carb loading. We were. So there's a lot of nuts and bolts to this. But first and foremost, we want to see, okay, let's create a level playing field. Let's create health first. Now we build on it. So the questions that I always ask myself when a person says, okay, Craig, what should I be eating? What I step back and I say, well, there's four kind of variables that I'm looking at when I'm designing a plan, a nutrition plan for a client. One is what type of foods. The second is when, meaning the timing, how often should I be eating? When should I be eating? The third one is the macros where we talked about like, okay, a ketogenic diet. And the fourth one is obviously how much fuel. Many, if you want to give it something called calories, okay, but the quantity, the, the fuel requirements for that activity. So we go through and we obviously, we were talking about reactions to food. So what should you be eating? Well, I hope, first and foremost, that you, through the last, that you being you, know <laughs> these foods work better for me and these foods don't. And if you want to start it clear for the person really unsure, it's like, is that, I call them, is it a real food or a fake food? Fake food, processed, refined garbage found in a 7-Eleven, the front of the supermarket, lifelong in terms of preservatives and all the rest. So we want to focus obviously real foods, but then we want to be listening to ourselves. So hopefully, Darren, you've gone, do you know what? These foods, this type of foods, they're working for me. 
okay? They're clean. Um, the, in terms of, I'm not having reactions to it. So if you if you had a problem with gluten, like I have a problem with gluten, you've got rid of that food, you, you've, you're honing in on that part. And then we move through something like the timing. Now I ask myself, okay, so Darren's gonna be, the question I have is, are you, how long are you gonna be on that bike? And is it non, when are you gonna get feeding times? And I'll, well, it's 18, um, we're projecting about 18 hours. Okay, so it will be, I'll break it into segments, right? And my experience has shown me over the past that I need to, I need to eat every, I co I'm constantly eating when I'm on a bike. So these are, these are small, maybe, you know, I'm getting balance of carbs, protein, and fat in each, each little snack. And usually about at the hour mark, hour and a half, I'm, I'm, I'm eating. All right. So you've heard, I mean, you, you in terms of that direction, so frequent feeding is what, that's what you need mm -hmm. to do. Obviously I have some, I have some clients who go on these endurance things and they won't be able to eat for long periods of time. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like, okay, we need to get you very fat adapted so you can use all the stores you can. When I have a person who's like, well, actually I'm, I have the possibility I'm sitting on a bike, but I'll be eating to keep that, keep that fuel going. Then I'm like, yeah, okay. That's where I would be more like, let's get that balance of macros. Let's see you getting your carbs. Let's see you getting your fat. Let's see you getting your protein. Um, let's keep it safe in terms of that part. And obviously let's see you get enough fuel. So you've already, I mean, you've already gone through this process. Of course you've been through this process, but, um, and this is, this is where the, the experience and the, the education comes in and as well as for all of the Ironmans that I, that I've done, it was always, you know, looking at the bike is when I was going to be able to, to have the most calories, because as we both know, as soon as you start running for an extended period of time, your stomach's going to shut down, mm. your stomach is going to shut down. So it's, it's realizing that, that on a bike, I can take in more frequent feedings and yeah. probably larger doses of calories yeah. as well. If it was, for example, a marathon run or an ultra marathon, I would have to totally adjust this nutrition plan Completely. and this plan of attack. And that's, isn't that the thing? So we've got the same person sitting in front mm -hmm. of me, but because the circumstances, the actual what you are doing has changed, you've got to flip it. And the question is, how did you find it? Trial and error. <laughs> Beautiful. That's it. How did I find it? It was, it was being my own guinea pig, Realize, yeah, realizing right. what works for me, what doesn't work for me, going out on long runs and actually, you know, having that uncomfortable feeling of I'm probably going to, you know, what in my pants, yeah. take that food out of the equation. Yep. And now you've got, you've got people listening possibly who don't, I mean, who don't have your level experience, obviously mm -hmm. in terms of the, tra the training element and the nutrition element too. So they haven't got to that level of proficiency. So what I'd be saying to those people out there who are, hey, I'm going on this journey too. Darren, I'm inspired by what yes. Darren's saying and I'm, get, I'm, get, I'm getting movement more into my life and I really love the idea. I'm going to get it on my bike too. I've got that bike. It's <laughs> in. I'm going to brush off those cobwebs. Then for those out there, I'd be saying, Look at those areas. Look at, first of all, in terms of the type of food you're eating. Try to take a little bit more time after you've eaten to see if there's any reaction. Mm. Listen to your body as much as you can, okay? But first and foremost, watch out for this idea that it's just all I'm doing is providing fuel, that food is just fuel. Food for me, food are messengers. They go and they do something. And they, for even, you might think, oh, I'm just loading up and a person stops at the 7-Eleven and washes down just some sugar in some version and all that sort of thing. Like the energy drinks and all that, you've got to watch out and ask yourself, is that 
the right message that I want to be sending to my body. And listen, I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit on the fence. So no, you don't do this and don't do that because it's personal responsibility. You got to ask yourself, how do I respond? So you're looking at the food, you're looking at the frequency. And like Darren said, he can't do that when you're running. So if you're back doing your triathlons, you can't have this system, but while you're on the bike, you can do it and you need to do it. The macros that perhaps when you were just doing, if you were doing an ultra marathon, the carbs are coming right down. You were going into that more ketogenic space because you weren't going to be eating. Mm -hmm. But because you're on the bike, you're like, you know what? I'm going to get a good balance between all the macros, protein, carbs, fat. That feels right. I need that power, especially when it starts like going, like putting into the extra gear. I want that glycogen like stores there ready. We need that. We need that glycogen kick too. Is it's, and this, and this is the thing. And I love how you said, I'm not, you know, it's not all or nothing. Um, and I think a lot of us fall into this trap too of looking at food as being a moral barometer. Mm. And I don't think we should look at foods as being either good or bad, but are they able to provide us with nutrients? Absolutely. Do they, I mean, in terms of nutrients, uh, so I talked to some clients, obviously, do you feel that's healing or harming? How do you, mm. what is your, what is your relationship with food? Like I said, for um, my kids this morning had a nice sourdough rye bread with some things on top and I can't have that food. Now I, I have no, like it from a nutrient perspective, yes. there are people out there who say you shouldn't have any grains. Well, I, I'm like, <laughs> I don't agree. I've got, I've got plenty of examples of healthy people who have certain grains. Now it's not throwing down all the white refined flour, but we just, like, a, like you exactly said, that get into a relationship yourself with food to say, how's this food, how's this nutrition affecting me personally? And then you can slowly, the more you're invested in this like yourself, the more you can let go of all this chatter that's around and you can think, you know, that's just, that's not for me. You can call it bullshit or whatever. You can mm-hmm. just say, this isn't relevant to me. And what I love with it, if I, when I know that I've done the job, a person will say to me, um, I was speaking to a friend the other day. They commented how good I looked or how I felt. And they asked me, Craig, they said, um, what, what are you, what's your diet like? And their response was, it's not a diet. It's just the way that I eat. It's my style of eating. It's part of my lifestyle. It's the foods that work for me in, in this way. And so it is becoming integrated. So for me, the three elements of a successful plan, nutrition plan, and a style of eating, yeah, it's called a diet. So if we want to use that word, but one, it, go, it gets us going in the direction that we want, meaning achieving our goals. Number two, it should have a basis of nutrition and health. And number three, it should have a sustainability element that you don't feel like you're fighting yourself. So you need to at least have those three elements in place to realize, hey, we're, we're in the right direction with this. And this, this, this is important, I think, too. And this is something we always talk about is there's not one, here's that word again, diet that's going to work for everybody. I completely we have to we have to find out what works for ourselves yeah. and it, it's i love the 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 analogy you made about 711 i'm going to be honest here i mean there's a lot of times i'm out on my bike for a long time and towards the end of the day i'm rolling into 711 and i am grabbing a coca-cola and i'm grabbing donuts oh my god i'm running oh run as here. fast as you can <laughs> run as fast as you can that's classic yeah he this. does coke he does coke still i'm there kidding i'm kidding there yeah and it's it, they just took out the <laughs> <laughs> and so i mean exactly you one you're taking responsibility for it you're saying my body needs this this is the best that i have here right now so a lot of clients um 
is this advocating, hey, you're in the 7-Eleven, Cokes and obviously your donuts and all that. Is, are you advocating? No, you're saying, do you know what? My body is actually, this is the best I have available to me right now. It's the quickest form of fuel. It's the kerosene. Let's be honest about it. Mm-hmm. So when I'm, when I'm talking with a client about blood sugar regulation, I, I use the fire analogy that some foods act like kerosene. So you've got a fire in the corner and you want that fire burning beautifully like a nice campfire. You want that all the time. If it goes too low, you're in trouble. You're going to probably, like your blood sugar's down. You're going to feel weak. You're going to feel faint. You might pass out. Your brain starts to switch off. And if it goes too high, you're going to burn your house down, which ends up with diabetes. But you threw on, at the end of your day, you threw on some kerosene. Why? Because the, the tank was really low. So you just stuck it in there to give it that, that boost. Now, if you did that all the time, you're in trouble. You know that. But what you're doing is you're saying, no, right now, this is the option that I have. My body needs this right now. I'll be fine. I'm going to get back. When I get home, I'll be having all my vegetables. I'll be having all the things that will look after. I'll be having my source of protein. I'll balance my blood sugar out. But for this period of time, I need this right now. And I'm taking personal responsibility. And that's what we all, if we can all have that versus this unconscious and this guilt afterwards of going, oh, I don't think I should have had that and that sort of thing. That's becomes the big problem. And that's where, I, that's where I bring up this this idea of a moral barometer. Listen, I'm not a good or bad person because I had a Coke and a donut at 7-Eleven. <laughs> I'm, I'm just a person who wants to get his ass home from the training there, ride. <laughs> there you go. There you go. And that's, and that's where, like I said, there, there is a lot of stigma. There's a lot of things attached to the, in terms of the diet, obviously in, in ter- certain foods. But the big, it comes back to again, that word that we're just going to keep throwing at each other all day is personal responsibility and being honest. You've got to be honest about it. So there are a lot of people who are regularly having the donuts and the Coke and they're not actually taking personal responsibility and they're, they're coming in and they're diabetes. Last week, I've seen enough people who put their hand up and say, I am addicted to sugar. I'm having, and I look at their labs and I'm like, I can see that you're pre-diabetic. It's a problem. Um, the donuts and the Coke and the snacks and all the things you're having is obviously causing a problem. So we've got to go down this journey and we've got to reestablish a relationship with food where you are the master, not the slave. So t- tomorrow I've got, uh, I've got about five hours on the bike, six hours on the bike. It's going to be a pretty, pretty epic ride with, with, a, a lot of climbing. What should, what should I, what would be an idea? What, what could I have for dinner tonight? Are, do we want to look at the traditional, you know, carb loading? And this is, you know, we've had this discussion before of, of a, a guy, a, a, a ex-phys doctor out of South Africa, Tim, Tim Noakes, who's just absolutely, he's brilliant. And, and, and if any runners out there listening, I highly recommend you pick up the lore of running. And Tim Noakes was a guy who, who when I was going to school a long, long time ago, Actually, the same thing changed the way I looked at it. And it was looking at, at fatigue. And his whole notion is, is fatigued is a brain-derived emotion. So it's let's, we've got to stop looking at the traditional breakdown of ATP. But anyways, I digress. But he wrote The Lore of Running, and, and it's, it's almost like the Bible in the running community. He came out about three years ago. And I love this. I mean, this is talking <laughs> about, I mean, you want to talk about big brass ones. And he said, okay, for those of you listening, if you have my book, The Lore of Running, I want you to go to the chapter that talks about carb loading and rip it out of the book. <laughs> <laughs> and he does. And he does. It's the yeah. film and serial killers. You, I mean, it's yeah. such a great... 
great doco and he rips it out there and um, that's that's somebody definitely taking responsibility and saying, do you know what? I don't agree with it anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm and, I'm allowed to, and I'm allowed to change. I'm allowed to, ch- obviously, based on what I see, my world. Now, he's getting a lot of flack um, in certain communities or in South Africa from the Nutrition Association, mm-hmm. things like that, due to his you know, stance on fats, carbohydrates. But I love people standing up and saying, do you know what? This is This is where the research is leading me. Yeah, my carb load, and it comes from part where he said, I mean, he was a he was a uh, top level in terms of runner, and uh, him being a pre diabetic and saying I followed those prescriptions that I wrote out, and it turned me into a pre diabetic, and I realised that actually the carbs were for me. I'm a very carb sensitive person. Mm-hmm. It caused me a problem, so I moved more to fat as fuel. Is everybody the same as Tim Noakes? No. Can we learn some things from what Tim Noakes has said? Absolutely. Do Does this whole low-fat paradigm for me is a, is a big problem. I, I have a problem when I see, and I've seen it quite a few times, where especially more in females and males, but dropping fat to very low percentage, this low-fat diet causing big problems. Fats aren't a dirty word. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fat is your friend. Fat is our, fat is our best friend. So, so for me, in terms of to get back to your question, like what should I... Fuel up. Well, first, your body has adapted to a certain way. So if you've been training your body in the last months to have a portion of starch and a portion of fat and a portion of protein, I'll be saying just follow the follow what you've been doing. Yeah. Watch out for the night before changing anything dramatically <laughs> on your body. It's probably not a good thing. I've got to tell you one story, sure. okay? And, and this is the rule of thumb I tell all my clients, and you've probably told it to, to, to them as well. Don't bring in anything new the night before or the day of a race or a big event. And and I remember my first Ironman I did. I It was in South Korea and it was on an island and I had to take a ferry there. I did the Ironman and I'm coming back on the ferry and I met these Korean guys and I was chatting with them. And I said to the guys, I said, oh, hey guys, you know, how did the race go today? And they said, oh, we didn't make it. We were sick. I said, you were sick? What happened? And they said, we had a new breakfast today. And I'm like, oh, that's oh. the cardinal sin. And I said, well, what did you have for breakfast? And they said, raw pork. And I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, wait a sec. Did you just say raw pork for breakfast? <laughs> so it, it's uh. like, don't go out and eat. I don't think anybody's going to go to the extremes of eating yeah. raw pork. But my first thought is, number one, why the fuck would you eat raw pork the morning before an Iron Man? <laughs> Had some kimchi on the side or something. Kimchi, <laughs> I, don't, I, kimchi I can handle. No, but like, raw pork, I mate. I know, I know. There you go. Wow. But, uh, yeah. But maybe, that's, maybe they got the discount hotel. <laughs> <laughs> the reason I ask this question is, is because I think a lot of us, we have this mentality that there's a magic bullet, that there's, you know, one secret meal that's, that's going to change it. And, and it, it exactly, it's, it's what you said. It's like, okay, well, wait a minute, Darren. What have you been eating, you know, for the last few months? Getting that balance of, you know, a starch protein and then some fat as well. And there, there's, there's not a magic bullet. Spot on. There's not a magic bullet. We say consistency, not perfection. Oh. Don't, even, don't chase it. Just be consistent. And then with a diet, yeah, if you're going to change things, give yourself enough time, make those changes, be aware and be receptive to those changes. But you've got to give it, especially if you're an athlete or you're training for an event or something. Uh, I've heard, I've seen that enough. It's like, how do I get a little bit more edge, a little yeah. bit more edge? And they look to the diet and it's like, oh, I just read this. And it's like, no, stop. Yeah. 
your body has adapted to a certain energy system based on how you're training. So I see even the Thai boxing guys um, who suddenly think, oh, I've got to cut up and they've then gone like a keto diet and they've lost power because they've taken the carbs out and all that. It's like, no, we need to do a different, like you, it, it's causing some problems. Mm-hmm. So we do it, we've, like the magic word is obviously in your world, it's periodization. For the training, Always you're going to that. Yep. For the nutrition, when it comes to you, tra- that complementing the training, we need some consistency. We need to have tried and tra- tested it and yeah, and don't have raw pork the morning of. <laughs> <laughs> what do you, I just I would have loved to have seen your face like when they said that. You're just like, there would have just been one word across your forehead. <laughs> there was two, and it started with what, and the next and, one was four letters. And, yeah. and then they and then they said, and then you said to them. What music? What? Uh, what's your favorite Led Zeppelin? Exactly. And I said, "Stay with him." So we've got we've got this event on uh, on the twelfth at Outrigger. So what about people who aren't training for an event? Aren't you know? And I, and I hate to use this word. You know, I hate it when people say to themselves, oh, "I'm not an athlete," and it's like bullshit. You are an athlete. You are an athlete. Every day where you're getting more movement into your day, you are an athlete. You are a movement machine. So what can people expect when they come to the Outrigger to listen to your your, your talk about nutrition and getting past all the bullshit that's out there and making it really easy for us to understand. Yeah, I mean, for me, it is, it is sharing the part, like those four variables and talking again through the variables and saying to a person, okay, we're playing a game. Like, we're, we're, like a sport mentality, we're playing a game. So we've got to obviously, we've got to know some rules. But out of those rules, we have that variation. So we need to understand how can we manipulate things. So what I'll be teaching is, okay, these are the rules, but these are the things that you can manipulate and this is how you should be watching. So we'll go through those elements in terms of a diet and and for a, a person to really start identifying and personalizing their diet, getting out, getting some, obviously the base rules, so for, it, for me, I want to do a talk that there's some people in there who probably this nutrition thing has just been, they're so confused, they just need some clarity on some simple concepts. And then there's some people in the audience who are like, do you know what, I've been focusing on a lot of these parts, could you take me the next step? So I'm, I'm going to try to cater for both those spectrums by starting off, okay, simplicity, and for those, here's a little bit of... I don't want to call it complexity, but where you've really got to invest a little bit more time, you've got to play a little bit more with it. Um, Does everybody need to be at the level of, uh, in terms of tuning every little part? Well, I I want a person involved in the game, um, but some people, the simplest things and keeping it really simple, keeping it consistent, and that's beautiful. Over over um, complicating things that just falls apart. And that's and that's what I think. You know, you come down to the event on the twelfth, and what you're going to find is is not only Craig but Thomas and Rob and myself. We're going to give you real simple solutions, but you bet your ass they are effective to some of these complex problems. We've got to keep it simple. Now, before we, we've got about five minutes left here, and, and this is the one that just it, it made the hairs on my arms stand up when we dived into this last week. And we talked about, now we're going to really dive into that mindset training of beliefs, goals, and actions. And I threw this question out to a lot of people. I said, out of the three, which do you think is the most important? When I'm working with a client, 
I always start, well, beliefs are called values. Okay. Let's... I want the foundation. Mm -hmm. And then so if I'm working, my system is, and it, but it's adaptable. So some people will start in terms of the actions, but I'll start with the reasoning why you're doing this. We need to have that foundation there. So values, then I'll go through the goals and then we'll say, okay, how are we going to support those goals? How are we going to achieve those goals? What's realistic in terms of action? So that's my general process mm -hmm. with a person. That's, that's, and you? that's amazing. And me, wow. I think, you know, we, let's get back to this thing about evolving. I, I mean, when I first, when I first started out in this industry, it was all about, you know, let's set these goals. Let's yep. smash these goals. Absolutely. Come hell or high water, I am going to smash this goal. My first Ironman I ever did, it was with that same laser sharp focus. I am getting this done. This is my goal. This is my goal. I am getting this done in this time. Did I achieve that goal? You're damn right I did. But at what cost? Because now, you know, it's only being able to take a step back and having a little bit more uh, awareness and rigorous honesty and that, that ability to look at myself in the mirror and say, Darren, yes, you did achieve that goal, but at what cost? Because the reason I say this is I was still chasing the dragon. This time with shaved legs and a tight arrow position, okay? <laughs> and, and, and so for me, in my experience, it was, you know, the Iron Man soon became my new obsession instead of alcohol or cocaine. And this is what we have to remember is that I thought I would still find by once I achieved this magical goal, that validation I was still looking for. Mm. And that's what I really wanted. Yeah. But, I, but I kept on looking for it outside of myself instead of looking at inside myself. So, oh, you know what? I've got to get another T-shirt, another finisher's T-shirt. I've got to bring my time down. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. As opposed to saying, well, shit, brother, why don't you take a look in the mirror? And that's what you should be looking right now. Spot on. I mean, I had a girl yesterday and uh, she's at one of the centers here. And the fixation on those scales oh. is scary. Craig? And Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, it's it's destroying uh, what could be an amazing experience mm -hmm. because the scales aren't playing completely ball to what her expectations of the scales would be doing. And the conversation that we had, having looked at certain labs, was the fact that there are, she needs to focus on the health and let have some faith and let whatever the scales just like i said I, I want you to get rid of the scales i know you wanted to lose weight and all the rest but we have to first and this is the thing her goal is i want to lose five to ten kilos like that sort of thing why and and exactly why exactly and what does it bring you what has it brought you the last 10 years chasing that goal chasing the dragon chasing the dragon. chasing the dragon i will i will not let any of my clients use a scale for this simple reason okay and think about it this, those of you listening at home. How many times have you woken up and you've had that absolutely, you know, perfect morning? Mm -hmm. You know, it's just, you feel that utter sense of bliss, contentment, happiness, and peace. You walk over to that little box on your bathroom floor, you step on it, and instantly your state changes just because of some fucking number on the scale. Now, let me ask you a question. Is it coming from the scale or is it coming from the bullshit that's going on in your own head? And that's, that's being a little ballsy with that. It's spot on. It's spot on. <laughs> and so the, the conversation was in, in terms of your, it had to go back to the values that she, ha if she had set 
first of all, and we cha- talked about changing the goals in terms of, yeah, body composition and the rest, but she hadn't even thought about this thing called a value, mm. what she wanted. And what she'd been doing to chase it was nothing close to self-care, self-respect, mm. those uh, values that obviously in terms of looking after herself, taking personal responsibility, it was chasing the whole time and it was at a big cost. And so I hope in terms of that realisation, but it's very unfortunate. Is we see it all the time. And so for me, starting with the values and stripping like back the, the goals is and finding out, okay, what are you standing for? What are you waking up with? Like you say, in terms of getting up in the morning, for me, what I wanted her to do and what I do for a lot of clients is I say, okay, in terms of value, is there any way that you can symbolize it? And I'll give a little personal one. For me, one of my values is definitely my family is the most important thing to me. And I was living before in uh, Munich and beautiful place, but I missed the ocean. I missed time with my family. And I wanted to experience and bring my family out to Thailand. A crazy idea. Everyone's like, you're so crazy. And I thought, do you know what? No, this is my value is I want to have time. I want to raise my children. I want to have the focus in terms of the family. And so I had a picture of James Bond Island. Picture of Thailand and every day it reminded me where I wanted to be. Now, that was my goal, Thailand, but it was within the whole framework of the family is and raising my children is this is an absolute value. That's what I really want to um, be like, a, I don't want to say the word good at, but I want to really invest in. And what does it do? Every time I look at that and then something comes across my path that could take away this path, meaning, oh, should I spend money on this or should I save so I'm prepared? Should I do this so I'm prepared? So it took, we were only meant to come for one year and it took a year to prepare. It took one year to prepare this, but we've been here now five years. This is the dream. This is our home. To thy own self be true. <laughs> to thy own self be true. And for me, that's so finding the trigger. So a person to go through and ask themselves, what do I stand for? And is there a way that I can remind myself every single day, even a few times a day, what I stand for? Because then it makes it easier to stay on the path, to keep moving towards that path. Well, it makes it, it, it's not, for me, it's not so much, it makes it more resilient to travel this, to travel this long, this long, hard road. And, and it's 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 amazing that you, that you said that you know the why and one of the one of the books that had a really profound impact on me was Viktor Frankl's book The Man's Search for Meaning mm. and 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 he's a psychotherapist who survived the Holocaust yeah. you know concentration camps and his whole big thing was okay we're in the same situation the two of us are in the same situation why did you die why did i live and his contention was that it comes down to our ability to choose and our attitude. If we know our why, we can endure anyhow. Yeah, that's perfect. It reminded me of the story of uh, someone asked two, two sons why they were like they were. And they grew up with an alcoholic father who, yeah. who was beating them. And one of the sons was in prison and the other son was successful and got his life together. And they asked each of them, why are you like you are? And they said, well, you find out about my background and you'll understand. Both had the same thing, find out about my background. I went through that and this is how I became. And same circumstances. And this is, I think this is a great way to wrap it up. And let's end on this note. And this is going to be kind of the the metaphor for raw movement is, is the key to vitality. Change is possible. Absolutely.